Hello, this is Matt. And this is Jake. And yet another episode of Music Sucks. And I Want to Die. Today's episode brought to you, as always, by 211 Steel Reserve. That's right. We got the, what flavor do we have here today? Today is the Spiked Tropic Storm. Yeah, we didn't update you on our previous flavors. I believe episode two was Spiked Punch. It was disgusting. And the first one was Pineapple. So that's the classic. Classic Pineapple 211s are the money. So, (laughs) uh, today's episode is, on our end, a bit of a lazy one. We're going to talk about... Music we like. We're just going to each discuss a couple artists that we enjoy for whatever reasons, and we'll bring them to you for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> this will be one of the few times you hear us talk positively about anything, probably. Right. Yeah, this is music that actually doesn't make us want to die. I'm sure we'll find a way to bring it back to that deep, dark spot that we live in. <laughs> but until then, at least I think we have some cool songs yeah, to Yeah, enjoy to. the positivity while mm-hmm, it lasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, before that, uh, anything to catch up on? Uh, you know, just got back from tour with Barracks. Yeah. Pretty exhausted, but it was fun. Yeah. A lot of driving. A lot of good shows? A lot of good shows. A lot of sleeping on floors. Ugh. You know. Dude, I can't tour like that. I, yeah, really I mean, can't. yeah, it fucking sucks. I really can't do it, dude. I need a bed. <laughs> Even a couch. The worst part was we were in California for like half of that, and... All we ate was Taco Bell. <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> nah, that makes you feel so gross after like two days. Yeah. I, uh, I When I tour, dude, my new rule is I have to have my own bed. I, I can't do it. I can't share a bed with like fucking dudes in a band anymore. Well, see, the worst part about being in a band with a girl is that the girl always gets the bed. Oh, yeah, dude. I, or the I, room or whatever. Yeah, man. It, it, I totally get it. I had this gig out in Baltimore once and um, the band leader was married to the lead singer and they had their own room. And the rest of the four of us in the band had to share a double hotel room. Uh, I slept on the fucking windowsill, because fuck that shit. Wait, didn't you say Ben snores a lot, too? Yeah, yeah. There's a band member that snores hella bad, but I don't... See, John snored a lot. So is this like a bass player thing? Yeah, it's a bass player thing. Bass players snore really bad. But, dude, I can sleep... I slept through, like, an air show before, so I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't care about snoring. I just need space to sleep on, which is funny, because the windowsill I slept on was, like... A foot wide. There's something about those little spaces, though, that kind of make right. you feel yeah, comfortable. Right. You're just like, mm. yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's just dive right let's in. Jump here. in. What do you got for us, Jake? So the first artist I'm going to talk about today is a uh, mid '90s experimental rock, dark rock band called Morphine. Like They're, the drugs. Yeah, like the yeah the drugs, man. Which I believe Mark Sandman did a lot of. <laughs> so they're a uh, they're a trio from the mid '90s to 2000s. They put out five albums of really cool music, really unique sound. They are a trio consisting of the lead singer who also plays a two-string bass tuned in fifths with a slide. It's so nutty. It sounds sounds so good. (laughs) And then a sax player and a drummer. See, I love this because on paper this band should never sound good. I know. It's like like, if someone came up to me and was like, this is my band, I'd be like, fuck off right now. I've never seen you in my entire life. (laughs) But it sounds so good. The saxes end up replacing like the guitar riffs that'll happen and they're mixed really hot so, you know, it's really bright and sounds really good. And their songs are, I would say, they're simple. They have a lot of blues influence. For sure. They have a lot of really cool attention to detail and the lyric the lyrical playing of the sax player really helps out a lot because it has a little more flexibility than a guitar might in that sense sorry 
Uh, um, yeah. What? So what? guitar yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so the sax player has a little more move, room to move around in the band, and it ends up with a lot of cool stuff. Why don't I uh, play you just like a general clip of what they're about right now? All right. It's gonna be Honey White. Yeah, Honey White by Morphine. dude they just sound so good killer i mean i like uh when you said they're blues based obviously mm-hmm. but it really doesn't sound like any blues that ever existed before or since then really yeah. i mean definitely it's like yeah this is blues music but so but not in the uniquely identifiable y- way yeah yeah just like they definitely had a voice mm-hmm. i actually feel like that um everyone we're listening to today one thing that really makes them special is they all have very unique, distinct voices. Yeah, Mark Sandman's voice is. I mean, really just like too. I know you voice. like general voice, but yeah. also Mark Sandman's voice, specific yeah. voice mm-hmm. is really like. I don't know if guttural is the white word, but like, it's really unique. It has very dark quality, mm-hmm. and he he has a lot of cool delivery of his words, and he just makes the band sound really good. Totally, and I think also it's like. It's well done enough that when you're listening to it, you don't really think about the fact that it's three people yeah, playing exactly. weird instruments together. <laughs> like I know, I think the saxes managed to completely replace a guitar in terms of because you know he's playing in fifths. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's providing enough uh, mid texture to mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. an entire. Yeah, band. no, it sounds totally complete. Yeah, know, like you know, yeah. For this, uh, I'm gonna play another example here, and we're gonna hear a lot of fucking sweet slide bass, Ooh. and we're gonna hear a fat groove let's do it let's do it wishing well drum sound though yeah dude really it's almost lo-fi yeah but crisp at the same time Uh it's it's cool everybody knows me i grew up in this town i would just like to say how hard it is to make a sick riff groove out of a slide bass <laughs> <laughs> and like carry a song like that uh-huh. playing just <laughs> like but man it works it works so well dude i've i've never seen anyone play slide bass in my entire life no one should but man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally makes it happen and another reason i like this band is that they really 
branch out as far as they can with these three instruments. They do so much different, so many different things, and it's, it's just really a sight to behold. So for this next example, they're kind of doing. I don't want to call it spoken word, any, but that because that'll be the last example I play. Yeah. Yeah, they get they go far, but this next one's like, you know, it's got some blues to it, but like this is like this talking thing over this time, and it just feels really good, and it's really great. This is called Sharks. Sharks patrol these waters. Sharks patrol these waters. Don't let your fingers dangle in the water. And don't you worry about the day glow orange life preserver. It won't save you. It won't save you. Swim for the shore just as fast as you are able. Swim like a motherfucker. Swim. Yeah, I mean, I I really feel their influence, too, on a lot of modern sort of rootsy blues bands. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have, like, White Stripes and Black Keys, which don't really sound like that at all. Um, and I'm not saying they really listen to Morphine, but um, just I've heard a lot of more underground bands that have that vibe to them. And like I said, we were saying before, I don't think it really existed before Morphine. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't know anything of this particular variety. Yeah. And I just love how long that section lasts of the where it's just the hi hat clicking on two and four mm-hmm. and he just keeps going the whole time and he just, oh and that little bass pickup that you pointed out <laughs> like you're plugging on that yeah it, it's just so good please listen with headphones people who are listening to this podcast because I doubt you'll be hearing that on your fucking laptop screens let's put it that way uh, this last example I have for you is how far they go this uh, is nothing but like weird ass backdrop and of i think a poem mark sandman wrote before he started the band there's there's another band he did before this that i forgot but it's i think he wrote it while he was in that band and never found an application for it so he's like let's just do it with some really fucking weird shit over this before we listen to this weird shit uh how did he die again oh good call so mark sandman uh is a man who did some drugs more like Mark Drug Man. Oh my fucking god, dude. So yeah, he did some drugs, Mark Drug Man. And see, it's Kevin. Fuck off. And he uh, I believe he died on stage Yikes. of a heart attack brought on by excessive amounts of cocaine, which I hear is actually really hard to do with cocaine. I hear it's hard to overdose that hard. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, Jake. I know you like uh, yeah. snorting the fairy yeah, dust. Dude. but All over that. <laughs> no, uh, I believe it's pretty hard to do, and he managed it. So, wow. Imagine being at that show. Yeah, dude, that would be whack. What would, that, what would even happen? Like, would the police... Shoot? I'd probably just go home and do coke, honestly. <laughs> I mean, what else could you do? Yeah, right. You just got to pay tribute. <laughs> it's like snort, pouring one out. Yeah, dude, snort a line for my homie. Snort one up for my homie. <laughs> snort one out for Mark Sandman. Oh, no. All right, before we start keep talking oh more, let's just play this next clip. This is the jury.
defendant will be remanded to the bailiff and fresh mint and sparkling water and fresh lime so nice serve two to four years in the county correctional institution Canyon City, or until such time as the defense, carefree, beautiful woman entwined the sand, fruits, sunshine. Couldn't see no reason for leaving. I mean, I'm really reminded of, you know, sort of the crazy free jazz. Yeah. You know, sort of weird poetry over weird whatever, dissonant yeah. sax lines whatever <laughs> totally i mean it's not going that far but you know i wonder who are these guys listening to I know. <laughs> who, who on earth could be these guys' influence uh, yeah i can see some like really really early blues stuff oh, for sure like, just yeah. like jun- 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 and they're just telling some fucking story over yeah, it right yeah. it was like my baby left home the other day she, right right she, it's that but like maxed out in such a weird direction yeah. that doesn't no one else would think of this no. like <laughs> like I no mean, one else would write those lyrics either. No, exactly. It's like, yeah, take blues and, you know, you could be the Black Keys and your songs would be played in every bar. Or you yeah. could do this and you could overdose on stage. Yeah. So, yeah. you pick. And I just, those lyrics are so good. It's like a, I think there's a term for it in poetry, but I'm too stupid to remember it. It's like a duality poem where hmm. it's like two opposites and like you switch between them somehow that sounds smart yeah but it's really good please listen to it people at home the four people who have listened to this podcast it's really really worth listening to and uh i don't know how much else i have to say about morphine other than it's just a band that put out five albums which really is the magic number you don't want more than that and they put out five good albums they get progressively weirder as they go and all five of them are worth listening to and they're one of my favorite bands i'm just happy I got to share it. Nice. Who do you got for us? Well, coincidentally, this next band put out six albums. Oh, shit. I have a question. Is the sixth one god-awful? How did you know? Oh, my God. I feel like most fans don't even count the sixth one because <laughs> it was only the singer and a yeah. bunch of studio musicians, and he didn't even like it. He just had to do it for the studio. <laughs> so I'm going to say they had five albums, and right, they time. were all really fucking good, oh, wow. and we are talking about The Clash. Yeah, dude. Not really an artist that needs a spotlight, necessarily, but i just always amazed just how fucking cool this band is. And how influential, like... Oh, dude, totally. I mean... A whole generation of punk. Yeah, they say that, like, everyone who bought a Velvet Underground album started a band, which is true, but, like, I feel like The Clash is that equivalent for, like, the UK. Yeah. Because so many people listen to them, and so many people did... I don't know, it just... God, they had a lot to say, so it was really hard narrowing down. Yeah, Um, But I'm going to start off their first album. This is Clash City Rockers.
So <laughs> so many details. So many details. Which and, is a weird for their band of their genre and their well, uh, musicianship. You know, I mean, yeah, you can tell they're not very good at their instruments yet. Although that changes pretty that quickly. But you also got to remember that this was still a new genre. Mm-hmm. Like, Sex Pistols were out first, but like they weren't doing quite the same stuff Not like this. Really. I mean, yeah. I Honestly, like, I could have probably picked anything off their first album because it all kind of sounds the same. It's very <laughs> just like British punk. But, yeah, they're just, they, the details are already there. Yeah. You can see, like. Your future's already set. Exactly. By listening to that. Exactly. You know, you have your breaks, but they're, it, the form is, uh. Not strictly, uh, you know, this is 60 bar mm-hmm. versus a 60 bar Right, course. exactly. They have a lot of, they have things to actually say. Mm-hmm. So they format it appropriate to the song and everything just clicks into place and it, it sounds wonderful. Exactly. And you know, like, you know, not great instrumentalist yet, but Joe Strummer's voice. Uh-huh. Even at the beginning. God, what a, what a voice. What a monster. Jeez. It's so cool. It is cool. And it's a little different than, you know, Johnny Rotten's sort of whiny yeah, kind of thing which i love johnny rotten too yeah but joe strummer definitely seemed more like he was trying to say something yes and like his his voice is a little more curtailed like his voice he changes his inflections for different songs and he just he knows what to make certain things work with exactly exactly the worst constructed sentence i've ever <laughs> fucking said in my life well there's a lot of thought put into how he delivers his lines yes, i think exactly and um i also feel like I mean, punk was also all about this too, but you know, they really were talking about stuff that wasn't a love song or, yeah, you know, things like that. I don't even know if they had a love song, really, <laughs> probably somewhere, but yeah. I'm to, like, eh, not really. The four albums of theirs I've listened to, uh, yeah, over right, right. All right, but let's skip ahead a few years. Where are we at now? We are in London Calling. This is my album. This is my favorite Clash album. It's their best and one of the best albums ever. Ever, dude. Ever. It's a solid back to front. So I kind of picked this song as a joke because I think I've told you this story before, but back in high school, I volunteered at a music venue and I was at the front taking tickets. So I was taking tickets and there was another guy like checking stamps or whatever. It's kind of weird, dude. We got talking. He's like, so what have you been listening to lately? And I was like, oh, I've been really into London Calling, you know, he's like, man, that album's great, but I always skip the first two songs. The first two songs. The first two songs are London Calling and Black Cadillac, <laughs> both of which are amazing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, bro, but I go straight to Jimmy Jazz. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if we want to tie this into the previous episode, Jimmy Jazz is like, after like the opener, it's like the song you used to build up to the rest of it the is. album. It is. It's a it's kind like, of come stupid, on, silly song, but I was listening to it again, preparing for this, and... <laughs> There's actually a lot of cool shit going on, so no, we're, like we're gonna thing. we're gonna listen to a lot of Jimmy Jazz because right, this song up, gets kind of weird and crazy. Oh, I love this song. Fired up. Okay, first of all, I'm gonna pause it right there. Oh yeah, we made it two seconds in. <laughs> Take the last song we heard, uh-huh. super distorted guitars, uh-huh. punky energy, and now we're opening with this lone phased out guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing like panned all the way to the yep, left. Yep, it's crazy. Is this album two or three? This is number three. Three. Whistling? Very sketchy whistling. (laughs) I love their two guitars. The one on the right is doing some weird kind of scratchy stuff. Almost sounds like he's fucking around. Yeah. (laughs) And what was that? 
Acoustic? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. The mix in the song is crazy. Why is that so I up know, in your business? Right. <laughs> oh. Still super high there. I love the clash to this a lot too, where like really kind of dark, serious lyrics over fun, bouncy groove. Exactly. It's like who mixed this? I know. We're still phased. Uh huh. Did it live, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, horns? Is this a punk album? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, this is kind of where, uh, like, a lot of British influence from, like, reggae and oh, stuff yeah, comes that, in. Yeah, and The Clash, I think, were big pushers of that. Yeah. I like the drums in this first. Who? <laughs> and again, his delivery. Uh -huh. So good. So where are we now? Oh. <laughs> anyway, before the sax solo. Yeah, we cut it off right but what the fuck is that song? It's so weird. Like, you just listen to it, you're like, oh, this is nice, but... What the fuck's going on in that song? It just keeps changing. Keeps... How do you write that? <laughs> like, keeps... I mean, even their second album was still pretty straight ahead punk. So yeah, I mean, even like you know the first albums they had reggae covers and everything, right. but like they obviously did a lot of different stylistic stuff, mm -hmm. and it made it really hard to pick just a couple songs to listen to. Man, is it? Part of it just makes you think, well, like, reggae and ska in the UK got huge. It really did. It got a huge. It was Everyone huge. was playing it. The police have a lot of reggae mm -hmm, influence. Mm -hmm. And this song, or this album, has one of my favorite Clash tunes on it called Wrong Amboyo, which oh, is, yeah. I believe, just a straight cover of the Trojans back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And it's dynamite. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, I have to check this, but I believe they're one of the first, if not the first, like, British rock band to really embrace reggae. For all I know, probably, yeah. I can't think of another group. Yeah, because they were like four years prior to the police or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's really cool. Maybe The Who did something. No, I don't think so. Led yeah. Zeppelin has that song, but it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was before or after their first, who's, or Clash's first album. Yeah. So regardless, they were one of the first to embrace it. Right, and then um, I'm not going to play anything from Sandinista, but yeah, then like half that album is just they yeah. go crazy i mean yeah a lot of reggae but there's like strings and there's uh -huh. like you know surf rock there's they go they go there's all funk there, disco it's they pull well, out all the stops for that one yeah all right so last one i want to play though uh this is off combat rock which i consider their last album <laughs> <laughs> good man and what i love about combat rock is that i feel like they really started owning their fusion of sounds because before on like london calling or sandinista they're like here's the reggae song or here's the punk song but i feel like combat rack sort of really integrated all those influences into their own into their own signature yeah, sound, yeah exactly i believe they even incorporated a ringtone 
into this album that they do that they do well we are going to play the opening track oh know your rights good choice this is a public So it's cool. It's sort of like it's got the upstroke thing going, yeah. but it's you know punky as shit. I think a large chunk of that is the mix on this one too. True. Yeah. Those are super clean triplet. Yeah, I know. Unless unless that's time delay. Hey, he's got a slap back on. Okay. Which also brings the rockabilly influence, which they had a lot too. Actually, the solo on this song is super rockabilly. Really? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> oh man, the details. I'm curious if, how long they spent recording each of these albums. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, here's the solo. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Psycho Billy. Oh, fatty whammy, dude. Uh, and oh. of course, still relevant to this day and age. Oh. But, you know, they they hold up. They really hold up. Yeah, it's tough to say with this band, because a lot of bands, you know, they sound like dated as mm-hmm, fuck. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the production they used at the time. But, I mean, part of it's because, you know, pretty lo-fi. Lo-fi will stand the test of exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. You know. But... Still just Otherwise, the, too, yeah, yeah, the ideas and the lyrics, yeah, like, and, and just the, yeah, just the ideas, I guess, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just the music, it's good the music. Music, <laughs> just, music just will work, yeah, for a long time. I mean, I think that was that a punk band could go on to do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's really special. It really is. Yeah. It really is because before that, it was just like three chords as fast as you could play them. Mm-hmm. And also, this track is a good example of an album opener, you know? That is true. Come out swinging, mm-hmm. kind of set the tone for what's going on without being too... Uh, mm-hmm. You're not blowing your load too exactly. early. Exactly. You you're, not, you're not trying to go all out on the first yeah. track, but you're trying to set the precedent for what's going to happen on this shit. Exactly. It's going exactly. to be really cool, like mm-hmm. that song was. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got to say about The Clash. So. I love The Clash, too. Oh, so They're good. so good. Mm. London Calling is the best Clash album. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to pretty much switch gears as hard as possible here. And we're I gonna... mean, some could say he was a fashionista. I, I... can't tell where we're going with this, well, sorry. Because The Clash had an album called oh, Sandinista. Oh. And they both end with Easter. I'm still lost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. So we're switching gears. <laughs> We're going, I'm ignoring whatever the fuck he's talking about, and we're going to Latin pop. Woo! Yeah, baby. This guy's name is Juan Luis Guerra, and he's from the Dominican Republic. He does just the sickest merengues and bachatas. Um, Briefly, merengues, like super upbeat, like badass fucking fast pop. 
uh, with some guy playing a cheese grater. <laughs> and uh, bachatas are kind of like your ballads in a way. They got some acoustic guitars or co- sometimes heavy chorus guitars. Oh, yes. Really fun. And uh, he really exemplifies bringing pop just like to another level. He has really detailed arrangements and just chords you kind of don't hear in pop. Uh, I believe he actually went to Berklee College of Music in the United States. So he's like the Katy Perry of Latin pop. Did Katy Perry go to Berkeley? No. No, no, she did not. But no. So what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, so you're saying (laughs) Katy Perry's good? Yes. No, that's just not true. So yeah, uh, Juan Luis Guerra is better. There's a couple things good about her, Uh, am I right? Okay. Right and left. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So we're going to play some Juan Luis Guerra. This is Ape Sumano. This is a... um, Basically exemplifies why he's so good. It's got a lot of high life influence, which I didn't mention, but um, it's it's just really good, dude. It's got a lot of details. It's got really cool arrangements. The verses flow really well. Everything's just cool. Fired yeah. up. Let's do it. <laughs> Nasty. Nasty. Do you hear like how he separates? So there was like three parts to that verse, right? Mm-hmm. He, he separates the third one so well just by doing those extra four chords at the end of it. And that leads you straight into the chorus where they break down everything and just do these really uh, great voices harmonizing up top and just brings it all to the heavy downbeat of the chorus. It's sick. Uh, so sick. Also, little little uh, Paul Simon intro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could be the same choir for all I know. Um, so another thing to note is the uh, the background vocals at the chorus are playing the part of the woman in this song, and he's like singing to them. It's it's just really oh, good. Cool. It's just a really cool song, and it's just pop music that has so much going on at the same time. So this uh, next example I'm gonna say, play is just more of the same. It's just really good. Flows really well. And it's just a really great song. I will say before we get there, though, that the form of this kind of stuff is a little different than, you know, your American pop. That's why I don't like it. Yeah, okay. So American pop will go, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. A lot of times in this kind of stuff, it'll go several verses with interludes in between or whatever in a row. Mm -hmm. And then it'll get to the chorus as 
much later. Right. Like, and then it'll just do choruses and mambos and choruses and mambos and then an outro. So it's just kind of interesting to not have a verse again after right. you're done. Well, it seems time. like there's a lot more improvisation in yeah. this kind of music compared to yeah, there's our a lot of, pop music. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of vocal improvisation yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of call and response makes mm-hmm. their way in here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really great. So uh, this next example is Visa para un sueño, and it's just more of the same, fired up. Before I play this, I would like to point out that both this video and the last one, the picture is him wearing a fedora. Yeah, so I don't really want to talk about that. Like I said, fashionista. Fashionista, sandinista. Odd number of bars for the verse. Mm. It's like he really knows how much time he wants to take for each word that he's saying. Kicking the bass for the interlude. Ooh, the sweet horn bends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing the trombone out a little there. And now we're going to start moving to the interlude to the choruses. So. Orchestration's getting a little more fuller. You're getting some synths going on in there. That's what I love about merengue as well. I'm trying to remember how long this course is because I want to get to the sax lines here. I think they're coming up right here. All right, here we go. And then we're going to bring the interlude back in to get back to the chorus. Oh. And we'll just cut it off there. this guy so much oh that it's that was tight i remember rudrish saying that when he first moved to new york he was playing in latin pop bands a lot dude i could hear rudrish destroying uh, right shit. and like we're all like oh that's weird he's like no dude those lines dude, no those uh, lines are hard as fuck yeah dude. yeah this isn't, that wasn't the best example of it the first one was a little better sure but some of those lines are so rhythmically precise and like mm-hmm. i wouldn't say virtuosic per se but no like, challenging challenging their articulation is pretty unique too yes. it's like it's very different than jazz uh-huh. yeah and again as not only the articulation but your timing yeah has to be yeah so far forward i know a lot of uh saxophonists who play merengue that uh just cannot get in front of the beat to save their fucking right, life right. dude it's like some sort of weird torture to <laughs> listen to horns that are behind the beat in this kind of music it's really great right, you should try it right. sometime 
So uh, uh, also, the more I'm looking at this picture of this man in the fedora, oh, God. I think he's rocking a mullet too. No way. I'm I think he has a ponytail. I don't is know that if it's a mullet. Pon- it's looking a little mullety from here, but we'll save know. that for another another episode. Yeah, the mullet and inside the, the music. Wow. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna slow it back down here. We have a. His other type of music he does pretty often. We call it bachata. It's essentially a ballad, I guess, to describe it. Um, lots of guitar action. And generally, you know, your love songs or whatnot. And uh, he just does it really special again by going the extra mile on all his songs. Like, in this one, we're going to get to a bridge. It's going to take a while, so get over it. And um, it's just going to go the extra mile. We're going we're gonna to be in C. And the bridge is going to go to A flat and B flat. But then it's going to go to G minor, C minor. And it's just like the little extra bit. And then it resolves after 10 bars back to C major. And it's wonderful. So just go ahead and fire it up for me. That was a very beautiful intro to a very beautiful song. I don't even know what to say to that. Thank you. <laughs> little three-bar guitar solo. Que madruga donde quiera Ay, 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 ese corazón Se desnuda de impaciencia ante tu voz Pobre corazón The way he plays that No, the guitar player? Yeah Tiki, tiki, And his delivery again. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying earlier with like the unique voices, unique deliveries in all this band too. Yep. Mark Sandman, the Clash jo- Dudes name. Joe Strummer. Thank you. 100%. Yeah. And while we get it, they put so much attention to detail in the way they deliver mm-hmm. all their words. Guitar is so bright. Oh, this is tight right here, though. Oh, that's so good. Did we do that that in Latino Twist? Yeah. I don't remember it sounding that good. The ay ay ay's are pretty awesome. We're almost to the bridge, I promise. I think this video is just a dolphin swimming around. <laughs> it is. It's a dolphin. Nice. Bridge. The extra mile. The extra mile. Uh, yeah, it, re- it shows. When's the last Katy Perry song that went to the, uh, the, mi- the one minor? There's the couple. Oh, yeah. The problem is he could be right for all I know. Trevor <laughs> Yeah, we'll turn that off. Yeah, that was the time to stop. Uh, although, if I may, I love how he brings that bridge back for the outro. 
Oh, yeah, good call. Uh, why don't you, why don't yeah. you play that at the end? <laughs> Good call. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, everything just works. That is well-written music, folks. Indeed. That's what you do. <laughs> it's like you put thought and care into what you do, and then it turns out well. Weird. I know. So that's pretty much all I have to say about him. He's really just well-executed Latin pop with a lot of really cool details goes the extra mile for all of his songs everything has the next level of chord quality the next level of form the, the extra little thing that the sax does in this mm-hmm, bar or whatever mm-hmm. this just works the extra little delivery he puts on his voice and hangs onto a note just over the bar line or whatever i think yeah i think you'll find more and more it's like these are the things that make music really good yeah is the tiny details that expand yeah. on your form I mean, if you think about it, like most of the great bands, you know, they're all doing the same kind of progressions or riffs or whatever. Sure. But what makes some of them stand out from the others, and it's usually in the details. Yeah. And this guy has no shortage of details. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all I have to say about him, other than he wears a fedora and is also apparently six foot seven. Whoa, really? Yeah, he's six foot seven, dude. That's scary. I know, right? <laughs> and he's singing that kind of shit. Whoa. <laughs> I know he's like got a really high voice and shit. It's kind of like the Aaron Neville syndrome, you know what I mean? Oh, damn. Where Aaron Neville's like this really buff dude. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like this really high voice. It's like, okay. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. Fuck, it. fuck with him, all right. Yeah, so uh, who's your last artist for well, us? Well, we're going to bring it down oh. to some jazz oh, music. <sighs> some jazz, baby. What kind of jazz we got? We are going to listen to Andrew Wait. Hill. Oh, I thought it was going to be Jimmy Jazz. Fuck. <laughs> Jimmy Jazz. <laughs> Jimmy Jazz. <laughs> That's my best impression. That was <laughs> great. Uh-huh. All right, uh, Andrew Hill. Um... I picked Andrew because I feel like he is pretty well known in the jazz world or musician circles, but not really a household name. I mean, most jazz musicians aren't. But <laughs> I mean, even like, you know, if you ask five, like jazz musicians, like name five piano players, Andrew Hill would not be on that list, no. probably. Not even on my list, no. <laughs> but he played with almost everybody. He recorded like, I don't know, it's like 20 albums or something crazy like that. He died you know, like 2009 or something, I think, like that. So mm-hmm. he was recording all the way to the end. He's done a lot of music. Um, what I really love about him is he's a great player, but also his compositions, mm-hmm. which I don't think necessarily were like ahead of their time, but he has a very unique voice. So I'm going to play but this. With, within the time frame? Well, he's pushing it, but you got to remember, like, a lot of this was also when, you know, Miles was doing his, like, quintet shit, yeah. stuff like that. Um, I don't know. He's, he's very unique. So I'm going to play the first track off Point of Departure. All right. Called uh, Refugee. Actually, it's called Refuge. Oh. Here it is. It's like he was thinking about things. Got some contrapuntal motion. Mm-hmm. This isn't Isolating my favorite. instruments. This isn't my favorite head of his, but I love his solo on this. That's why I picked it. But it does remind me a lot of like a lot of Seattle jazz bands are trying to do. Trying. 
trying being yeah. the keyword there. I, I get it. You know like, what I mean? That, that kind of I, this I kind of style. Pretty modern. It's modern, but of course this was you know 50 years ago. Yeah. And like, yeah, they try and fail to emulate this kind of thing. Exactly. What they miss is like the hardness, the rawness mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. The solo. freedom in the bass and drums to mm. expand on the form. Well, fucking Tony Williams on drums. You know uh-huh. it's going to be good. I know, but yeah, no one does that. No. The bass player will be walking 100% of every day. Mm-hmm. Like, if a bass player stopped into this in a Seattle band, the form would be over. Exactly. No one could keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Is so uh-huh. good. He was like 19 when he did this. I know, dude. I'm. Oh, oh, oh. You see how they listen the to each fuck, other? <laughs> like, you see how that just happened? Can jazz be good again? <laughs> 50 years ago, this was. I know. At least, probably more. And like you say, you know, they're not really thinking about form right now. No, I can't. They're I in, couldn't place you in the form right now. No, I no. couldn't do it. I mean, I'm sure they know where they are, but like. Ah, Eric oh, Dolphy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I just, that was dynamite. That solo was killer. I know. And the problem is, like, you can't. The term doesn't really make sense because it's not really a solo. Like, every exactly. member of the rhythm section contributed to that being what it was. Right. And when's the last time you heard jazz like that? Uh, was it 1964? Yeah, I think was that, that was... Yeah. Oh, look, 1964. Oh That's actually God. what year it was. <laughs> no, dude, it was it, it was special because so much interaction between the bass, drums, and piano mm-hmm. and some like weird mind-reading stuff going on. Really? I mean, you know, I think... I don't think... You know, back in then, it was all kind of not like session players, but they all just sort of showed up for the recording date. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, man, yeah. be on my album. They weren't really, I mean, they played together, yeah, but it wasn't the like. They did play together. There was like a culture around just yeah, out, talking it, about music exactly. like that. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't really like a rehearsed band. Right. You know? They just had some tunes. And they just went for it, and this studio. came out. Yeah, you maybe know? there was like a couple days they had. Yeah, or exactly. Like, Let's try that again. Mm-hmm. And then they'll include the second take on the yeah. deluxe edition of the album, and it'll sell much better in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that was so killer. Yes. That, that solo. I don't have the guts to play like that, dude. I mean, even if you did, no one would follow you on it. That's the thing, yeah. Well, maybe that's why I don't have the guts. It's because it won't, nothing will happen with me. This reminds me of oh, I was boy. at this jam session last night, and I was uh, trying to do something, not even really out there, just sort of this rhythmic thing, and I kept looking at the drummer to just sort of like, you know, respond or play off of yeah. it, because it's kind of obvious. Contact, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing, and no, 
Did you get stonewalled or what? Stonewalled hard. Stonewall yeah. Jackson. Wow. Was your shoulder feeling a little cold? Ooh, chilly. Chilly, chilly, <laughs> chilly. So, yeah, jam session suck. That is going to be a topic very soon, mm-hmm. I promise. Um, so, that's Andrew and his more, I guess we can call that typical jazz yeah, I mean, mode. That's... that's, that's it's that's a head after, and solos, yeah, exactly. you it's know. After bop, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here is 1967. Just a short three years later. Just a th- short three years later. This is the title track of Compulsion. Is this Tony Williams again? No. Joe Chambers. Oh. I love his piano on this. Uh-huh. Using unusual timbres of the piano in the low bass register fits. But there's still a melody happening, yes. and that's the crazy part. Well, well, it's, yeah, it's not, you know, it's obviously not diatonic. Yeah. It's very contoured. Yeah. He, like, there's their peaks and valleys going mm-hmm. on. He's shaping it to his desire. Exactly. And it still works as a melody. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, like, your mom's not going to listen to this. No, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you can hear ideas being presented here. Even if you can't follow exactly Right, he's not are. just randomly hitting the keyboard or something. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, you know, same instrumentation as the last solo we were listening to, but it shares the vibe, but the it's definitely taking it way farther than the last track. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going out. Yeah, we're, we're going far. real out. In a sense, it's more like visceral, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not... Because you have to really feel something like this to get it. Exactly. Because you can't be like, well, this is obviously, uh, this is set theory, and this is uh, a cell of <laughs> yeah, zero, I'm sure one, he wrote three, all that four, out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. transitioning out of the solo with good things? Hmm. I don't know. I'm feeling some Milton Babbitt in here. <laughs> oh. Uh, that was... Yeah, don't pause it yet. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, it. fuck, great. It goes on for a while. It's like 14 minutes, but... That was so tight. Yeah, Andrew Hill. Look him up. Yeah, that was really Jesus. <laughs> Again, it's like... He thinks about his solos in different ways, at least on this last track here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, trying to do this certain scale to lead you to this next chord or this certain thing. It was much more gut feeling. Oh, for sure. It was, this sound is going to lead to this Mm -hmm. next sound. And, you know, even on the last track, when I presumably there's changes on that. um, (laughs) In theory. (laughs) They're weird, probably, but, you know, um, obviously they're in the back of his head, but, like you're saying, it's not really like 
scale to scale yeah. voice. So it's he's really playing it's with ideas. It's contour to contour, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's the thing a lot of bands miss now. A lot of jazz misses. Yeah, is that you can write these changes that have the greatest jazz voice leading in the world. But if you can't build something over it that's greater than the sum of its parts, then right. what the hell are you yeah, doing? What's the point of soloing? Just yeah. listen the head. Just play the head. Yeah. Yeah, just play the melody you have, although the melodies they have are, in Seattle bands can also have the same problem where they yes. don't have actually full concurrent ideas behind them. True. But like that, both tracks had the same things, just presented different ways. Yep, exactly. Andrew Hill rules. He's the best. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much that it for our two it artists up. today. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you uh, got some new stuff to listen to, folks. Uh-huh. I know I do. Oh, my God. So uh, And feel free to send us your music suggestions. I'm sure they're really good. <laughs> yeah, it definitely won't make me want to die. <laughs> yeah, post them in the comments if you fucking dare. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, I think that brings us to our... Uh, our rant of the week. Rant of the week. Yeah. I uh, believe I was talking with you before the episode about what I was going to rant about, but I you were. 100% forgot what it was going to be. Yeah, see? It's been like 53 minutes and 28 seconds since then, so it's really hard to remember that far back. Was it your keyboard? Oh, yeah, it was my keyboard. It Thank you. Keyboard. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I had a broken keyboard, a Roland RD-800, 88 key stage piano. Nerd. Uh, yeah, exactly. It broke at a gig because it was really hot and it's black metal, right? It's made of black metal. And then we took it inside and the humidity change and the temperature change caused condensation. So basically, long story short, the digital analog converter ins- inside the main board stopped working. And I had no output. And it was really great. So took it to the shop and they're like, yeah, it failed. You have to... Uh, yeah, it's going to cost like $1,200 to replace, but I'm not actually sure that I can fix it. And I'm like, what do you mean? How does that work? He's like, yeah, I don't think I can get parts. I'm like, dude, this keyboard was made like, what, like five years ago? He's like, yeah, but uh, there's currently a trade war with China, and I <laughs> cannot get access to these parts at the moment. I'm wait- I've am i been waiting for nine months for a replacement keybed oh my for God. an RD300. Yeah, it's a shame when politics hits you, huh? Yeah, huh, right. Well, now who's voting now, yeah, huh? Right. Yeah, Now I'll get involved. Now that my keyboard's broken. That's right. Yeah. So Yeah, what's Bernie Sanders' uh, stance <laughs> on, on keyboard uh, parts? Yeah. So Bernie Sanders is really great about keyboards. He speaks to me personally. He always talks about how analog is just a little overrated. He's like, yeah. I could see him actually coming actually, yeah, out with something like this. He, he would have some opinions like that. He's a fucking weirdo. But... Uh, but in good news, I have insurance on that keyboard, so I don't really give a fuck. I already bought another one, and they're going to give me money for it, so I don't give a shit. Uh, you got any rants for me? Actually, you know, I have. I took the week off from like gigs or rehearsals or anything after getting back oh, from tour, and God. so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. But you had another one about driving multiple places. Yeah, so... <laughs> Let's just do a double for you today. Yeah, I get both the rants today. <laughs> I really don't like driving five to six hours to a gig to play for an hour or an hour and a half and then drive back and get home at three thirty four in the morning. Ugh. It's it's so bad. And five it, hours, huh? Five hours drives. And you know what part of that problem is, is when traffic happens in the middle of fucking nowhere. It, it's I, always that. I'm like actually angry right now. So you go drive. So I live in Seattle, obviously. And the drive was to the coast of Washington, like halfway down towards Oregon, which is a long drive because there's no major freeways that go out mm. there. Because no one fucking lives there. 
And the worst thing is, though, is when you're on one of these tiny-ass one-lane highways and there's a stoplight like hastily set up by a construction crew. Oh, and God. And you have to stop at the stoplight for 10 minutes. And... Drives me crazy. There's no, there's nothing you can do. You're just like, I want to get to my gig so I can play this fucking shitty gig, get paid my money, drive my ass, sorry ass back home, get back at three in the morning, wake up for a church gig at <laughs> eight in the morning. It's always the church gig. It's always the church gig. <laughs> Thanks Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So that's about it. You know, driving to gigs far away and then yeah. coming back the same day. I'll say like one of the worst traffic things I've ever had happen was coming to Seattle from Oregon. It was right outside Vader. Washington. I am actually familiar, which is unfortunate. I was stopped there for almost an hour. <laughs> and there's nothing in Vader. There's nothing over there. There's not even a fucking Carl's Jr. I believe what the problem was, was miles down the road, there was an accident on the other side of the highway. So. <laughs> that is rubbernecking. 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 Ugh. Dude, and there's nothing that makes me more frustrated than that. It's just so shit ridiculous. in the middle of nowhere. We should just do a traffic episode, a traffic, maybe. Yeah, gig traffic episode. Gig traffic. In, oh. Like musician loading zones. We're going to have to have like two 211s for that one. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, I need two 211s to talk about Seattle traffic. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that's all the rants I have this time. All right. Those were worthy yeah, rants. They were worthy. Thank you. I feel very <laughs> proud of them. So uh, anything special you've been listening to this week? Uh, I rediscovered Jagged Little Pill. Oh, yeah, dude. Alanis Morissette. Uh, that album is it's, incredible. It's like perfect. It, Hey, that's one of the songs on there. That's track number three. Holy shit. Fuck. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that album's incredible. Like, good call. They're all, every track's good. Yeah. Every track is good. Yeah. She doesn't play flute on any of them, so it's Thank good. God. Thank yeah. God. There's a bit too much harmonica there for my like. There's some harmonica. I can't remember which tracks, but they're There's a, pretty Yeah, good. yeah. But, yeah, uh, just it's fucking. So good. The hits are so good, and then all the, the filler the songs are still good, too. Like, perfect. Like perfect. Oh, oh my god, the bridge is a little questionable on that song, but that album is incredible. Good mm-hmm, call. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I did. I was trying to decide a second artist to do when I ended up on Juan Luis Guerra, and I listened to a few. I was listening to some uh, Estopa, which is a band out of Spain, a duo that is like flamenco rock, and like has a lot of really weird tempo changes, and they're really cool. So I was really thinking about talking to them, but then I was like, I don't know how much can I really talk about them, but. You know, they're really great. Go check them out. Estopa. I also listened to some uh, Natasha Atlas. Oh, your fave. My fave. She's, uh, I believe she's Egyptian English. Hmm. And uh, she was kind of spearhead of the late 90s world fusion movement, Mm -hmm. which was really happening for a while. And, but yeah, go listen to those two. They're really neat. And I think that's it for this week. I guess so. Yeah. So. This has been uh, Music Sucks. And I want to die. And just remember, if you don't want to kill yourself, you're not listening. See you next week. Yeah,